What is going on, guys? My name is David Gibbs. I am the host and founder of this podcast, SIDcast, a podcast resource dedicated to telling you stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. We technically have not had an active all-around COSIDA president. We have had several active D3 uh, NAI SIDA presidents, but never, and we've had some former presidents, I'll be fair with Andy, um, but we've never had before an active COSIDA president on this show. We've been doing this show for two years, and we've failed in that sense to, to get somebody on, um, but now we are fortunate, very fortunate to have Rob Knox, who is technically, this is technically his second appearance. A couple weeks ago, when, or maybe even a little over a month ago, uh, when uh, Mark Atkins volunteered to put his show on here uh, during when I was having kind of a, a rough, hectic week, um, he talked to Rob. He talked about his background and everything, and that's exactly what we went through today. Rob comes out firing with uh, how he, the stance on stat crew, uh, his presidency, how it felt to be president, getting his dream job at ESPN, ultimately leaving his dream job and then to where he is now at Towson. Um, and his favorite pastime is women's basketball, WNBA. So we'll talk about all of that more. But first, turn your attention to rating and reviewing if you have already or you have not. Uh, just go over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and just leave us a little rating and a review. It takes maybe what? what? What is it, guys? Maybe like 10, 15 seconds to do that. If that, you could do it right there on your phone. We have a nice little convenient... Uh, video for you if you're having a hard time finding the 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 podcast app that's already on your iPhone. I know that the uh, um, Android is developing a new podcasting app, much like the the iTunes one or the Apple one that is. Um, so you do it right there on the app. And, and if you don't know what video I'm talking about, you can go to sportsinfocast at gmail com, or you can uh, actually go over to our social media page. And that's at Sports Infocast on both Twitter and Facebook. And guys, I want to turn your attention. We are coming up on year number two. That means year number two event. That's right. Uh, I'm keeping it kind of hush-hush right now. Haven't really told very many people. But um, we will be having an event. And the only way for you to participate is to be on our newsletter subscriber list. And you can sign up for that. SIDcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter and it's a google form and you'll just fill that out i think there's maybe two or three questions um one of them includes your name so if you're having problems with that then maybe you should figure that out before you go any further in your career just saying but uh would love to have you on you would get a newsletter every thursday morning around five six seven o'clock wherever you are uh whenever i get up that day i do get up pretty early around 6.30, so uh, you'll get those pretty early. You'll get access to the episodes really early with the link and everything, how to find it. Um, and then you also have specific access to events. And this, the, I'll be honest with you guys, this uh, year two event here, um, probably going to be a recurring thing. And if that doesn't tell you anything, then I don't know. You don't need any more hints. We'll put hints um, when we get toward the end of September, towards uh Year two anniversary is October 11th, and ironically, that's when um, falls on a Thursday, which is whenever this podcast gets out, so that kind of works out there, but I just need you guys to go over there, sign up real quick, and then um, participate in the event in October. So uh, anyway, guys, let's get on to today, episode number 90. We are 10 weeks, 10 weeks away from uh, episode number 100. No idea what we're going to do. I think we're going to do a 7-7 seven and seven for Thank Your SID Week. Uh, going to be a pretty, 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 be a pretty, next, pretty busy, gosh, next couple of months uh, for us here on the show. So we appreciate all of you listening. And let's get started with episode number 90 of the SID cast with Rob Knox of the Thousand Tigers and the Cosida president. And uh, what it feels to be president for him right here on SID cast. It was surreal. <laughs> it was uh, it, it was surreal. I had, I had thought about that moment from the time that um, I learned that I would be become that I was elected into the president's rotation, and uh, and I kept imagining that moment of getting on stage and uh, 
addressing everybody and looking out into the crowd and you know having my family there. It was uh, it was surreal, but it was really special. It, it, uh, it meant it meant it meant the world to me to get up there and um, and speak from the heart and um, you know be able to um, know that the organization had faith in me uh, five years ago, three years ago to say that you know what. We're ready for Rob Knox to be part of the presidential rotation, and um, you know I'm, I'm I'm learning every day as you know as the year goes along. But it's fun. It's it's, it's definitely fun. I definitely enjoy it. I, I love our membership. I love our organization. Uh, obviously, um, you know, you know, I kind of wish you know we didn't have to deal with stack crew. <laughs> uh, I, know, I, know, I know that's the elephant in the room, so I'll you know address it right right early. Uh, I kind of wish we didn't you know we didn't have that issue to deal with, and unfortunately, uh, despite our best efforts of uh, speaking directly with CBS and um, their leadership, um, it doesn't appear that the prices are going to change anytime soon, which is unfortunate. And uh, you know, I, I feel bad for I feel bad for everybody because it's going to impact everybody, mm-hmm. not just you know, not just the small schools. Uh, it's impacting the, the the schools at our level is impacting the Power Five schools. Uh, so it's it is is a challenge. Um, and you know, the, the only thing that that I'll that I'll say is um, you know, um, I would never <clears throat> you know we would never tell. Um, people to do something else uh, other than, you know, you kind of have to look at and, and, and see see what fits your uh-huh. department as far as, you know, any any additional options that are out there or, or you know, stack crew or, if, you know, the conference office. I know some conference offices are purchasing stack crew now for for his members uh, to use. So I don't know if that's an option at, at you know, some of the Division two three NAIA junior college level if, if that's if that's even an option for some of those conferences but that's that's one solution I've heard and then I would just encourage our members um, if they have ideas or solutions to just you know reach out to myself or Doug Vance or anybody on the board um, constructively and you know offer some solutions or you know even um, pen a blog and co-sign a connect so that we all can you know so that we can comment on it and you know, have some um, really constructive and productive discussions that way uh, with, with in, in regards to Stack Crew. Okay, awesome. Well, you, you came out hitting right out the gate, and I'm glad you. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad glad you addressed that now because that was a question I had later on. So let's get back to some, some of the some of the other things that uh, maybe I, I had in mind here. Switching gears a little bit, uh, was this a position that you were maybe always thought about in the back of your mind, like I, I want to be Cosida president one day, or is this something that evolved kind of over time in the past few years? It, I think it's a combination. Okay. It's definitely it's definitely a combination. I think that. Um, when I first got into the business back in 2004, I didn't really understand how how a bi- how big a deal Cosida was. Uh, part of the problem was the first conference I went to was in Philadelphia. So okay. the first convention I went to was in Philly in 2005. And because I'm from Chester, which is a hop, skip, and a jump away from Philly, for me, even though I stayed at the Marriott um, in Philly, for me, it didn't... It, 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 feel like a big deal to me. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like anything because it was home to me. I knew Philly, I go outside, I knew where the gallery was, I knew where South Street, you know, I knew where the landmarks were. So it was just familiar to me. Um, when, when I went to Nashville and became active on the social, the social committee and we started planning uh, things for Nashville and then the following year in San Diego, as I started getting into the social aspect more and more and then talking to people and seeing uh, Joe Hernandez, who was the president at, Co- who was the president at, um, in Nashville and then, um, working directly with Charles Bloom and Larry Dock the next few, next couple of years, um, that kind of began my hunger for wanting to serve on the board of directors. Like I wanted to be, I wanted to be a co I wanted to be on the board of directors. Um, I had that, made up in about 2007 that, you know, three years into the business, I wanted to serve on the board. So everything I did, I geared towards kind of serving on the board. So I kind of saw who the board members were and made a concerted effort to 
have them get to know me and stay in touch with them and volunteer for stuff and be active, be around, be thought of for different things. And so part of that happens, um, you know, I think it was a, I think it was a combination of a lot of scenarios from the standpoint of working at Lincoln, which is a historically black college, by me being African-American um, and by me beginning to form friendships with people and the leadership in Coastside at the time, knowing they could trust me or count on me for different things, I think that opened some opportunities for me when it came time for different committees, like when we, when Coastside said we want to do an executive director search. So the first executive director search committee, I was part of that. Hmm. Okay. Um, which was in um, 2006, I believe. I forget the years they all run together for me. But I was a part of that. And that kind of got me on the radar nationally with, within COSIDA and within the COSIDA leadership and, you know, able to add some insight to that, being able to interview some of those candidates. So once once that happened, uh, I applied for the board. I have no problem saying this. I applied to be on the board um, in 2008 in Tampa. I um, I didn't get selected that year. You know, disappointed of course. But um, you know, people like Judy Wilson and Larry Doc and Nick Jews, they you know they came to me immediately and said, hey, you know, they're happy for you this year. Don't stress it. Don't worry about it. Just keep working hard. Keep doing what you're doing. And in 2008, I also happened to become the BC CIDA president. Okay. Uh, so that helped put me in another leadership position and another leadership role and and, and do some things there to complement some of the stuff I was already contributing to CoSIDA. Uh, so 2009 is when I, um, in San Antonio, is when I got elected to the board of directors. And at the time, I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. Like, I was like, oh, my God, I'm... I'm a co-signer board of directors, uh-huh. like the best thing ever. And it was. I mean, I was, um, it was It was great. And, and being in those meetings those two years, I began to, and being on those conference calls, I began to think that, you know what, maybe being co-signer president is something that's that's actually attainable and achievable and um, intangible. So once that, um, once I got that thought in my head, it was something that I had aspired to and wanted to do. But as you know, or maybe some of the viewers don't, the listeners don't know, is that my career detoured. And so I thought I had given that up once I got recruited by ESPN to work at ESPN for two years. I did. I never thought, once I left Athletic Communications, I didn't think I was coming back because ESPN was my dream job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I reached, I reached working on my dream job. Uh-huh. This is where I, was, where I wanted to be. You know, I like being relations. I was beginning, you know, I just became a rising star. And this is great. But, um, you know, life, you know, life doesn't always work out the way you plan it to. Life is always um, detours and challenges and, um, you know, real, real, you know, it it happens. So uh, when I got back into media relations in 2013 at Coppin State, uh, I did, again, my my fire was instantly rekindled for Coastside and the passion that I had when I left instantly returned and it just confirmed to me that this is where I belong. Yeah. This is this is this is this is like media relations, athletic communications, this is this is my calling, this is my purpose, this is my why. And um, you know, once I got um at Coppin and got established and you know I said, you know what, I'm gonna try again for the um to try to be on the board. Yeah. Uh, so I got lucky. Uh, when I you know I talked to several past presidents, I talked to board members and then I got lucky, and next thing you know, um, Shelly Poe calls me and says, hey, you've been selected as the third vice president. Um, I froze. My, you know, my, <laughs> my life changed that night. And um, I was like, wow, this is real. And then the next day, uh, a couple people came up to me and you know, started talking about it. So my mindset began to, began to evolve. And with each subsequent year, it became more real and real that you are about to be president of Cosider. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it was, um, you know, unfortunate for the, on the board, um, unfortunate for the leadership of Judy Wilson, Andy Seeley, and um, and Rob Carolla, because those are the presidents that I follow since I've been on the board. And, you know, I've been able to take a lot of, I've been able to take a lot of um, things from them 
that's that will help me this year. And again, I, um, I'm also appreciative of my support system and my network of um, of friends outside of uh, media relations, outside of Cosida that you know really have my best interests at heart. So. You know, so I know that's a long-winded answer to answer your question. Oh, you're fine. But, um, but I started, you know, when I first, my goal was to be on the board. And then once I got on the board, it was became tangible that I could be president of Coastider. A couple of questions based off of the things that you said, but I want you to address this really quick. Um, now that you, you're, pro, you're president, uh, with your job, how do you explain what you do to your kids? <laughs> um. Well, with, with them, I just, you know, it's funny, um, and I, I don't really mention that I'm co-signer president to my kids, <laughs> to my athletes, because yeah. uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it still takes me getting used to as being a co-signer president, so I don't always know how to come off saying, hey, I'm co-signer president. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it sounds arrogant, if it, um, like, how does it come up? How do you say it to people, you know? So I, I still struggle with that piece of it. But at the same time, people have told me and demanded that I need to own it, too. Like, yeah. It is what it is. It's not going to change. Mm-hmm. So so there's a balance. There, but I haven't, I haven't told my athletes and the athletes that know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, you know, I just tell them that, you know, I represent three thousand. I represent three thousand members, and um, you know my job is to um, continue to move our organization forward and and, and elevate each one of us um, individually. So, yeah. you know, and, and kids today they don't really they're not all into the oh you're co-signer president this that and the other. I mean they see it that's great, but yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying, but uh, I want you to talk about this real quick and. It's kind of funny that you mentioned this because I was having a conversation with a couple people that are close to me as they're graduating college, they're getting their new jobs and everything, they're starting their careers, and all of a sudden the thing that they prepared for for a long time is boring to them. Uh, and it's just something that they didn't really enjoy. And like you mentioned, you went to ESPN. It was your dream job to be at ESPN. Uh, what was life for you at that time when you realized that, hey, this thing that I dreamt of might not be for me? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was about, I mean, it was about, it was about six months in, um, you know, I realized that, you know what, this is, uh, you know, I don't want to be, I didn't want to be in the office, you know, five days a week working from 5 PM to two in the morning every, every day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, ESPN, you know, has fun moments, has fun times, but it was, you know, it was a business, it's corporate America. And, um, you know, so, so some of those things that, so, uh, you always have to be, on, you know, on your best behavior, you always have to be on guard. And the thing with ESPN is you, you're working with apps and programs that no one else in the world works with that you never, ever had experience with. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, so it's a learning curve. It's, uh, you're learning on the fly. Uh, but, you know, it was, you know, I have nothing bad to say about ESPN. I mean, it was great, it was great people there. It was a, it was a great, uh, great atmosphere. Um, and it was nice to know that we, what we did was a crucial part of probably the major part of kind of ESPN because we had to ensure the integrity of the data to bottom line to the panels and things of that nature. So you know, if you sit in the bottom line and you're watching a football game and um, you know is the Browns are beating the Steelers thirteen to seven and you come and the score comes across the bottom line and it says Steelers thirteen and Browns seven. You, you know, you're kind of like, well, what's going on here? You know, ESPN got this messed up. Or you're watching, you're looking at a score panel and the word still isn't spelled wrong or a name is spelled wrong or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, that's that that's that's on our that's on our end. And um, you, know, I'm, you know, I made my share of mistakes, but I also um, grew a lot. I learned a lot. My mindset expanded. My horizons expanded. So no. I mean, ESPN was um, was fantastic for me. It was perfect for me at the time because it gave me it gave me a skill set that I don't know I don't know that I would have gotten if I had just continued staying at Kutztown or, or media relations. And I think the ESPN experience has contributed greatly to the fact that I'm able to be in this role as president. Mm-hmm. And um, just because you know I've been in you know high level meetings, I've I've sat in strategic um, planning sessions. I've, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I sat through um, how how are we going to help 
uh, increased ratings uh, for different shows across ESPN's platforms or what can we contribute that's different. Uh, I've had to lead nightly six o'clock meetings, you know, because um, in my role with ESPN as a stats manager, I was a supervisor. So, hmm. you know, I was responsible for nightly production at times as the newsroom lead and as the closer, you're kind of, you know, second in command, but you still have to close it up. So for, for about two hours, two, two and a half hours, you're there by yourself at night. And to know that every decision runs through you, um, that first was very intimidating, but you know, as you go through it, you're like, okay, I understand what to do and prepare for it. And I think the other thing that ESPN helped me, it helped me um, prepare more. I think, you know, okay. being in media relations um, and coming from the newspaper, you know, I took for granted the art of preparation. I took for granted a lot of things because a lot of stuff in media relations at the time came natural to me. Hmm. Um, so at ESPN, nothing came natural to me. But the only way I was going to get better and improve and become um, a competent manager was preparing, reading, studying. So, so those, so again, those skill sets have, have, have really helped them. And again, at the end of the day, I don't regret ESPN. I would do it all over again. Um, you know, I had some fun moments, some fun times there. You know, yes, you know, I, I met some of the on air talent. I, I was on the set of Sports Center the night the Cardinals beat the Rangers in the World Series. I, I worked, I was in production the game six of the world series that year david freeze hitting a home run and i mean so so to be there for some of those moments and kind of see how uh-huh. espn sends that out to the world and kind of see how linda cone is in the studio while they're out doing live shots at st louis after the Cardinals won the world series so I mean, it's pretty cool yeah awesome glad to hear it well let's Take it all the way back to the beginning for you. Uh, what was your very first taste of sports information at Lincoln? Ooh. So, <laughs> <laughs> so here's, here's the interesting part. When I started at Lincoln in 2004, I was, I was with the newspaper. So I worked with Delaware County Daily Times. And the, that's the funny thing. Like ESPN was my dream job because it evolved it because that was always the thing. And but the Delaware County Daily Times, that was like, I always wanted to be a sports writer. Uh-huh. So at 26, I was living out my goal. Like, my life goal was to be a sports reporter. Hmm. That was it, and I was doing it. So at Lincoln, in 2004, they had created, created the position because they hadn't had an SID since, like, the mid-'80s or something like that at Lincoln. And um, so when I got there, it was basically starting from scratch. It was just, uh, I remember going to my office, and all I had was a folder. And, you know, they had to wait for the computer to be delivered. I didn't have, um, you know, I didn't have stacks. So it was like one of those things where when I first started at Lincoln, I just kind of had to rely on muscle memory. I, you know, reached out a lot to um, Lynn Margolis at, uh, down at Cheney. Um, I had him on speed dial. Uh, Ira Thor at New Jersey City. Um, he helped me a lot. Um, Greg Goins at Bowie State uh, was also a big help. So when I started at Lincoln, it was, you know, I had people that I could reach out to. Um, and working at the newspaper, we worked with some of those schools like Cheney and Cabrini and Widener. Um, they were in our coverage area, so I had a familiarity with some of with some of the SIDs already, and they had a familiarity with me. So I didn't. Um, it was it wasn't hard for me to reach out and call somebody that I need help, and I think that's something that a lot of young SIDs need to do um, and continue to do. Even if you're a veteran SID, never be afraid to. Um, reach out for help and say, hey, um, how do you do this? Or how did you do this? Or, oh, I like that graphic. Uh, do you mind walking me through this? Or sharing a tip or something like that? Because I think in this business, I think we all help each other and we should. Um, so so that, that's that's one piece of advice I would continue to give is just, you know, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call people. Um, and I think that, um, you know, at Lincoln, some of those first experiences were they, they were interesting. They 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 were they were rough uh, because you know before I got there, they hadn't had certain things. So one of the positive impacts was everything I did was really nice and decent because it had never been done before. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, some of the some of the things that that I realized once I got there that some things hadn't been put in place. So so there was some. Um, so, 
you know, like game administration, game management type type staff hadn't been been really fully adequately um, in place. So you kind of you kind of took responsibility and kind of did that as well. Um, but you know, I got great support from the staff at Lincoln. Um, you know, you know, Lincoln's my alma mater, so Lincoln was Lincoln was wonderful. And you know, when you work in the alma mater, you know, you put your heart, your soul, your blood, your sweat, your tears, <laughs> uh, and your time into making, um, you know, make, you know, trying to make Lincoln a respected program uh, from a media relations standpoint in a heavy saturated market in Philadelphia. Right. Right. You know, so, uh, so I think when I look back at my time in Lincoln, I think the most the thing I'm most proud of is the fact that, you know, people knew Lincoln and Lincoln got his fair share of coverage in the major newspapers and outlets and things of that nature during my time at Lincoln, um, despite being one of like 30 schools in the pro sports area. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, you know, even um, our website, you know, when, you know, I had to use Netscape Composer to, to begin to, to, uh, to update our website. And when I got there, the website had just outdated schedules and rosters because nobody in the athletic department did it. So the updates had to go through campus. And so it was just, it was interesting. So when I got there, I kind of said, hey, I need control of the website. And I was able to keep the website updated. I was able to kind of change the look of it um, based on what I could do with Composer and what I learned and uh, going to Photoshop and sizing pictures and doing it. So it was, so those times they make me smile because those are fun times. Those are funny times that, you know, and I can't imagine having to do that now. Uh-huh. Uh, but, you know, we eventually, you know, fortunate to talk Lincoln to um, partnering with Sidearm and the rest is history from, from that standpoint. But no, I, I love Lincoln. Uh, Lincoln was phenomenal to me. And when it's time for a story, um, I'll, I'll share, I'll share with you one of my, um, probably one of the most prideful moments of my whole athletic communications career. Um, as I'm coming up on the 10 year anniversary of that, but, um, no, Lincoln was a challenge at first, but, you know, fortunately with, uh, help, and people who believed in me and trusted me, you know, we were able to get it off the ground and, um, you know, and then and, and turn it, you know, and, and, and make it respectful. And in the process, I was able to build my brand as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So you basically started the sports information department at Lincoln from scratch. How did you, what, when we talk a lot about skill sets here, but what were some skills and things that you had to learn in those first early years um, that you start translating now as you went through your career at Kutztown and then Coppin and, and now Towson? I think people skills. Um, because you're always dealing with people, you're, whether it's parents, whether it's student athletes, whether it's coaches, whether it's administrators. Um, you, you're always dealing with people, so I think if you have good people skills, I think that gets you through anything. Uh, I was fortunate to have the, the um, writing background, the sports writing background that helped me at Lincoln because I understood how to tell a story, I understood how to write a story, I understood how to find a story. So for me, my mindset, and and this is where uh, where I feel like I'm different than a lot of traditional um, SIDs out there, is my mindset is I'm looking for a story. Uh, I don't care about the game. I don't okay. care um, about the result and the recap. Uh, I want to find a story. I want to take people inside of why why that happened, why that play happened. You know, I want to uh, find a theme, uh, so to speak. So, uh-huh. so those skills, that skill helped. Uh, you know, obviously, I had to learn stack crew because uh, Lincoln didn't have stack crew, and it was one soccer game. And we Lincoln, what we did, we did the the soccer score sheets, and then we would fax those to the NCAA. And um, I never forget, we played New Jersey City, and um, you know, and I love Ira to death, and um, you know, Ira fussed me out because we didn't have stack crew. I'm like, well, we didn't order it. You know, uh-huh. we finally ordered, yeah, we finally ordered stack crew. Back at um, during basketball season because we did basketball stats by hand too, which was uh, which was challenging. And then um, so funny story about that real fast is we played Bowie State in basketball and we did the stats by hand. So then I compiled them and put them into Stack Crew because you know you got the 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 option to enter manually in Stack Crew for basketball. Well, I sent Greg the file. Greg called back 
and it was, it was like, Rob, this, 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 this isn't right. I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, the score is right. The points are right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as we all know with basketball, you know, the box score has to balance. And, you know, now occasionally if, if you offer a rebound or two, you, know, you, you can get away with it. Uh-huh. You know, you can kind of get away with it. You can finagle with it and find it. But when you're like 18 off like I was, um, yeah. But Greg was patient. Greg was patient. Greg didn't yell at me. Greg didn't fuss at me. And, you know, this was like right, this was, you know, Facebook had just, no, Facebook didn't even exist in 2004. And so, you know, nobody could talk bad about me on social media or anything <laughs> like that. Because, you know, now, you know, somebody have a half a rebound off, you know, they're going to things that annoy SIDs and, you know, you have the whole thread about the fact that this guy can't do stats. I would have been, I would have been that guy back then. And, um, but Greg was patient. Greg walked me through it. Greg shared some things with me. And I think that moment more than anything, is kind of like one of the reasons why I um, I evolved and really became invested in people and in this business because Greg took, Greg didn't have to be that way. He could have really been upset. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, um, and not understanding and not caring and everything like that, but he wasn't. And to this day, that really means a lot to me. And I always tell Greg that. And I'm proud to say that since, ever since that game, I never had a box with a damn balance in basketball. Because if nothing else, if I don't get nothing else right on the basketball box score, it's going to balance. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely a learning experience for you and a growing experience. That's why I kind of like this profession so much is that uh, nobody, everybody's trying to help everybody. It's not really, nobody's ever trying to throw you under the bus. But um, let's talk about your job at Towson. Or is it, yeah, Towson. I got it right. I went to a lacrosse game one time. They had a pronunciation guide, and I had to put it up on the board. Um, yeah, up, up in Columbus. So uh, tell me what life was like at that time. How about the job process, the interview, everything? Uh, what led up to you with your time at, with the Tigers? Uh, so so I, think, um, I think I came to a point where I was at, when I was at Coppin, and I love, I love Coppin State, great people, uh, you know, love, I love my athletes there in Coppin, but I think it came a time where I had to challenge myself and also think about a stronger quality of life from the standpoint of not being responsible for every single sport. And, um, you know, the men's basketball position came open here. And, you know, I said to myself, I was like, well, if I go to a mid-major and, and work with a men's basketball program in addition to everything else that I'm doing, then this would be icing on the cake for me to get to wherever I want to get to next. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and plus I didn't have to move, you know, plus I wouldn't have to move my family or anything like that. I could just go from, you know, confidence housing. And um, so the, the interview process was, uh, the interview process was good. Um, you know, I was fortunate in that uh, the head coach here knew the head coach at Coppin. So they, you know, so he called him to, to, to discuss me and, you know, fortunately he said some nice things about me and stuff like that. And then when I came in during the interview, um, you know, there was a comfort with the staff and they felt comfortable with me. And, um, you know, I ended up making it, I ended up making the decision to, to work here. Uh, I had to negotiate a salary, which is never, e- which is never an easy conversation to do, but, you know, it's just for people, for people that, you know, get jobs and, you know, you don't always have to accept the first salary that's given to you, but what helps you in negotiations with salary is if you understand the business, if you understand um, the salary range of the position that you are um, applying for and then, you know, your experience level and, and things of that nature. Because I think sometimes people just settle for salary and sometimes you don't always have to settle for salary. Now, again, you might have a figure in mind that you want and you may just throw it out there but they may come down to you and say well we're going to give you x because i did that at coppin as well i you know said coppin i, I want x mm-hmm. but in my mind i was like well if he's hits this number then i'm good yeah so, yeah. <laughs> so at coppin i said hey i want this amount he came back and said well we don't have that but i can give you this I'm like, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but again, it's just kind of again knowing knowing your worth, knowing your value, and understanding, you know, the landscape. You know, now if I didn't have an idea of like what SIDs made at that level, 
then I would have accepted anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so um, so again, it's just about just kind of understanding your work there. But um, so yeah, so that, that that would let me over here, and I've been here since December 2015, and you know, it's been it's been good. It's um, it's, it's it's been it's been a great fit. Awesome. Well, it seems like it. I'd like to transition to the part of the interview where I like to ask some fun questions. First one I have for you, Rob, is uh, what's your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Favorite memory in my professional tenure was 10 years ago when Lincoln brought back football. Um, after the, I was part of the team that helped Lincoln football return after 48 years. So Lincoln had disbanded his program in 1960. We played our first game in 2008. Uh, but we had, you know, football athletes in 2006, 2007, uh-huh. and 2008. And um, it's interesting, uh, August 29th, 2008, is when we played our first football game in 48 years against uh, George Mason. And I'm actually going to be writing, blogging about that um, in a couple of weeks uh, because, you know, it's the 10-year anniversary of that moment. And I think for me, it's one of the greatest moments of my career. And, you know, I know as as a society, we don't really stop and pause to celebrate or appreciate uh, different things of, of that nature. But this moment here, um, just seeing the joy of the players, the administration, the fans, the students, the alumni, and being an alum of Lincoln, obviously was a um, added a little bit more for me. So I remember that day like it was yesterday. I woke up at 4 a.m. I got to campus like 4.30 in the morning um, just to finish up, like, Programs just to finish up, you know, some minor stuff, some copying, had everything on my desk because we also played at a high school which was like three miles from from Lincoln's campus. Uh, had everything on my desk. I was like, okay, we're ready to go. And I'm still like this annual game day as well. I always get nervous, um, even though I know staff is coming. I always get nervous that somebody's not going to show up or uh-huh. something like that. I think a lot of people can relate to that. But on this particular day. Um, it was it was special, and the fact that we won the game thirty four to seven over George Mason. Uh, I mean, we had all the local TV stations there. We had all the newspapers there. Um, you know, I wish I could show you now. I have. Uh, I just went through the other night and pulled like the articles and stuff like that from ten years ago um, to just kind of read them again. And I mean, we got so much media coverage on that, and the fact that um, NFL Films followed us around for a whole year. And produced like one of the greatest, you know, greatest features I've ever, ever been a part of. It was just, it was, um, it was special, man. It's something that I'll never forget as long as I live. And uh, to be able to be there when Lincoln played his first football game as an alum, and to know that I was the one that had, I was the one that documented that. You yeah. know, those are things that. That I, that I don't take for granted. Those are the things that mean the world to me. Yeah. What about on the flip side? What's your biggest horror story? Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta think. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think um, I think Coppin probably was um, because we were short staffed uh, for a basketball game and. You know, I just kind of put anybody on the clock thinking they could do it. Uh-huh. And she kind of, unfortunately, she kind of didn't do a great job. And we lost by one point at the buzzer. Um, so part of me is like, you know, if she had started the clock, which is opposed to is that other, we kind of would have won that game. But it was just bad from a from a management standpoint, too. Um, again, we you know, there's no excuse Um you know, I, I got reprimanded really bad um, a week later, and again, like with anything, it, it never happened again. I said I will make sure that um, that we don't have these issues ever again. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we never had those issues ever again. Um, so sometimes, you know, so sometimes when you relax with stuff, it forces you to level up. It forces you to um, take ownership and responsibility, and uh, so that people don't lose faith and trust in you. Okay. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. The the uh, I like it when people say you know it won't happen ever again, and then it actually never happens ever again because you know people you need to walk the walk when you talk the talk with that sort of thing. Um, let's see here. Uh, gosh, what's one thing you're interested in to learn more about in this profession? Uh, 
this profession, media relations, um, just again, just graphic design and um, you know, enhancing my Photoshop skills. I mean, I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm not, I'm not running from people. Mm-hmm. But you know, when it comes to, like the, the Clemsons and the Mark Jesses of the world, you know, it take me some work. It may take Mark twenty minutes to, to whip up something real quick. It may take me about you know four days to do the same thing. But <laughs> but I, I would say uh, graphic design and um and Photoshop. Uh, and I just think in athletics in general, I'm just trying to continue to enhance my leadership skills and enhance my um, personal professional development. Because uh, I, I see myself um, in maybe five or ten years kind of being a deputy AD or associate AD uh, that may be over um, external relations or communication. So now everything that I do is preparing for that in mind. So that's why, again, um, being president of Coastside obviously um, helps that a lot. Yeah, awesome. Uh, what's one piece of advice you give to a student going into this profession? One piece of advice for a student going into media relations: you gotta love what you do. You gotta love uh, people. You gotta uh, be willing to um, adapt to uh, change. But I think ultimately, they, they just have to have a passion for um, for this profession, for telling those stories. Because you know, as you know, it's a thankless profession. Um, you don't necessarily. I mean, you're not in it for the accolades or the pats on the back or anything like that. But again, to know that. Um, the work that you do impacts a student athlete um, is, is is special, and I think for me, just being able to have those relationships with some of my student athletes at Lincoln and at Kutztown at Coppin, and I would imagine that when people, I, you know, whenever I leave Towson or whenever athletes start leaving, I'm sure like to imagine that I'll still have some of those same um, relationships there. What are what are some uh, traits or characteristics make a good SID? That's a good question because I mean I think everybody's different. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a uh, put your finger on it and that's it um, because um, because I think I think SIDs are just I have a respect I have respect for everybody. I think that you know if you you're courteous I think if you're conscientious I think that uh, if you're professional if you have a personality uh, from a standpoint of you know humor. I think humor works well in our profession. Uh, I think sometimes one of the things that, they, you know, the humor is great. The sarcasm sometimes and the snarkiness and the cynicism sometimes I think is I think it's a bit much. Uh-huh. Um, because I think that we all should realize that, you know, we're working and these schools, and these positions are, you know, are feeding us and feeding our families. And, um, you know, everything's not perfect everywhere. You know, there's no perfect there's no perfect position and we all have things that we deal with in our everyday lives or on campus or, you know, or, you know, that coach that, that turns in stuff late or that athlete or that parent that calls, um, that wants to update the website or, you know, come take pictures when you're not supposed to and stuff like that. And the stream goes down and, you know, I, I, I get it, you know, I, 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 I get, we, you know, those things happen and, and that we deal with those things, but, there's a lot more positive and there's a lot more impactful things that we do on a daily basis as an organization. I may not go noticed by the people that you work with uh, or the parents, but ultimately, um, you know, I think that, you know, if you have a healthy respect for the work, the the work that you do, if you're passionate, if you're dedicated, if you're committed, uh, you love your athletes, um, I think those are some. I think those are, those are some of the traits that, that really make a good SID. And and as you notice, I did talk about like the technical skill set of um, writing, and, um, you know, designing graphics and designing video and motion and and, and, and all those. You know, obviously they, they help. Yeah. But you know, chances are not everybody's going to have that same level of skill set, or not everybody's going to be at that going to be at a high writing level, a high video level, a high technical level, uh, a high graphic level, all in the same skill set. Because then that's the perfect SID. And there's nobody, there's no perfect SID um, around here. But um, I think, though, you know, I, I just think those, the, those skills, um, the, the technical skills are important, but I think I think it's the intangibles that really make, uh, that really make a good SID. And, uh, you know, just having those relationships and just, um, you know, what 
being committed here's the other thing too being committed to growing yourself being committed to thinking beyond your your position um because you know we get pigeonholed we get boxed in but you know let's let's look at it you know one of the things that that i'm harping on because it's, it's done wonders for me is getting out of media relations not not getting out of the profession but getting outside of our media relations comfort zone and challenging ourselves i was fortunate to graduate from the dr charles whitcomb leadership institute that challenged me and pushed me in so many ways and it got my mind thinking more holistically about athletics and how what we do impacts athletic training what we do impacts student athlete development what we do impacts academic achievement it it just gets you thinking out and it challenges you and it gives you a seat at the table. Yeah, awesome, cool. So, um, work life balance. You're a big writer. What do you do to have fun? WNBA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge WNBA guy. Um, you know, I've been uh, watched a lot of WNBA. I read a lot of WNBA, uh, but I also I also like to read. Um, you know, a lot of books. I've recently finished three books last week while I was on vacation. Uh, one of them was Finding, Finding Your Way Back to God. Uh, another one was How to Communicate with, Conf- with Confidence. And then um, Between the Lines um, is, 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 is a third one. And right before that, I just finished reading John Gordon's um, Training Day. I mean, yeah, is it Training Day or Training Camp? Training Camp. Sorry, guys. I just finished reading John Gordon's Training Camp. And I also read a, uh, a book called... Um, be hungry, always hustle, and stay hungry. So, mm-hmm. and, that, and 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 that that's a leadership book. And right now, I'm reading a book called the um, the Slight Edge. Right now, I'm re- reading that. So, you know, th- those are things I like to do. Obviously, you know, my kids are the love of my life. My um, my seven year old son, my two year old daughter. So, you know, I always find time to um, to play with them, to talk with them, to read to them to let them jump on me, uh, wrestle with them. And, you know, my wife and I, we, you know, we, we find time to, you know, watch something good on TV together or watch some movies or just talk, uh, in the kitchen or something like that. So, um, you know, over the last year or so, I've made it a point not to take work home if I didn't have to, uh, I don't check my email when I leave here. Um, you know, I just, no, nah, I mean, now nah, it's different. If I'm, if I know I'm expecting a box score or something like that, that's different. But if I know that I'm not expecting anything, I go home, I put my phone away. I don't look at it through late at night or even the next day. And I've even avoided before I would do that. I would look at my phone before I go to bed, and that's that's not good either. So I just I just don't I just don't look at it because here's the thing about email um, that I've realized that usually when people are emailing you. Unless it's doing business, if it's after business hours, most people don't necessarily expect a response right away. Um, you know, so that's that, that, that's kind of, that's kind of how how I look at it. You know, like if my boss is emailing me at nine thirty at night, unless he told me specifically he's emailing me at nine thirty at night and yeah. he needs to be on the computer between nine and ten, then he's not necessarily expecting yeah, me to respond to him. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah, totally on board with that. I was telling you off here that I don't really do email on the weekends, and it drives my professors yeah. insane. So maybe maybe that's something that everybody can adopt here. But uh, next time someone is in Townsend, Maryland, because you got to watch lacrosse, you got to watch the women's basketball, you got to watch the men's basketball. What's your restaurant or bar recommendation? Uh, Green Turtle. Um, Green Turtle is down the street. Uh, I love it. Uh, wing, the wings are excellent. Um, we have a rooftop view, um, so I, I would say I would highly recommend um, coming to the Green Turtle. Okay, perfect. And if anybody had any questions for you and wanted to follow up with you, um, what'd be the best way to do it? Well, I'm on Twitter. I love I love I love Twitter. I'm always active, uh, and so my Twitter handle was at KnoxRob1. So that's at K N O X R O B and the number one. My email address is rnox, R-K-N-O-X, at towson.edu. And, um, yeah, those, those, are, those are the best ways. I mean, you know, I welcome anybody to stay in touch with me. I welcome any feedback, any comments, any, anything from, from the SID cast. Because, I mean, ultimately, as the president, I serve you all. I'm here for you all. Uh, you know, I'm, 
I'm blessed and humbled to be in this role as president. And, um, you know, Dave, I, I appreciate you uh, for having me on today. This has been fantastic. And, you know, you've allowed me to take some nice strolls down memory lane, which should help <laughs> me get through the rest of the day here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I appreciate you very much coming on. Like I mentioned, I uh, should have had you on a long time ago. Uh, don't know what took us so long, but we'll have to have you back on. How does that sound? That is perfect. You can have me on anytime you want because one of the things I'm doing this year, I'm also writing a monthly presidential blog uh, for Cosider, so we're going to have some good things. You know, I'll have some good nuggets of wisdom to share there, and I also have some book recommendations and anything else that, that, um, that goes on. Okay, perfect. Well, Rob, thank you very much one last time for coming on. We all very much appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. Well, guys, there you have it. Episode number 90 is in the books. We are, what, nine weeks away? Ten, nine weeks away from episode number 100. Uh, We will... Have an event coming up if you haven't already. Maybe you're thinking about it and maybe you're just going through the episode like, I don't know if I really want to subscribe to this kid's newsletter. Um, go ahead and just do it at this point. Go over to sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter and give us a sign up. Uh, that way you can get access to the event coming up in October and be uh, really the judge, jury, and executioner of what we got going on. You'll be a voter. Uh, a I guess that's another hint from earlier. But uh, next week we will have Chaz Dorman of the Penn Quakers. He'll be our first Ivy League guy on the pod. Uh, super excited about that one. We've already talked to him. Uh, and, uh, again, I think all these are great. But Chaz, it's a pretty great one, too. So our, our next couple of weeks' worth of lineups uh, are pretty awesome. Let us what, let us know what you think of them over on social media, at Sports Infocast on Twitter and Facebook. You can also... Um, Give us a rating and a review over on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get this podcast, wherever our uh, Fireside integration allows us to be, that's where we are. Uh, you can do that over there, anywhere. So, uh, super excited for the next couple of weeks, guys. Get Chad Zorman next week, sign up for the newsletter, give us a rating and a review, and I will talk to you all in the next episode. <laughs>